Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. This week, I'm so excited to bring you guys this episode. Really, every time I put out a new one, I'm excited, but this one was truly a special conversation that I got to have. My guest this week is Mizba Hawk. I first came across Mizba in 2017. I was working a corporate job at the time, doing my best to avoid any work at all. So I was listening to a ton of podcasts. I found his show, The Airborne Mind, and I just remember being blown away the first time I saw all the guests that he had on the show. I just went back and started binging all the previous episodes that he did and was just really looking forward to it every time he put out a new episode. He was having top CrossFit Games athletes, top coaches and gym owners, and I was just so excited to learn from all these great athletes and coaches. I got so many different book recommendations from this show, especially The War of Art, which we talked about a little bit in the show. So I wanted to take the opportunity talking with Mizba to just go over basically everything in his life that he's done since starting the Airborne Mind. We got into his remote coaching that he does now. So it was a long journey to get from where he was coaching CrossFit to actually coaching athletes remotely out of Revival Strength. So Revival Strength is the home of Marcus Philly who created Functional Bodybuilding. If you guys haven't heard anything from Marcus, Mizba and him have a podcast together called the Look Good, Move Well podcast, and they go over a ton of great resources. I highly recommend that you go to there. They talk about, um, so Marcus was a CrossFit Games athlete. He no longer competes anymore. So they talk about that transition from high level athlete to just training for health and longevity nutrition and really just at everything in between so i highly recommend after listening to this show you head over to the look good move well podcast and just really take a deep dive in all those episodes and one thing really cool about Mizba, so he's super creative he is also a stand-up comedian so is it really cool to just pick his brain because i haven't really ever talked to any comedians so it's really exciting to just hear what that process is like, what his creative journey has been like to go from an introvert to being on stage in front of 100 or 200 people and just really just trying to make people laugh. So it was definitely an eye-opening conversation. I'm so glad I had Mizba on the show and I'm just really looking forward to you guys hearing this one. So I'm gonna send it over to the interview and I will talk to you guys on the outset. All right, so this week we have a very special guest on the show, someone who I've been looking up to for a long time, the original podcast of the Airborne Mind, Ms. Hawk. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I was really I was really excited when I heard that you had been a listener from kind of the very beginning. It brought back a lot of memories, so um, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and we were just talking online. I remember I was sitting in my cubicle at work. I no longer work in corporate America, but one of the things that got me through today, I remember listening to the Root Strength podcast, and then Tuesday, your show came out. Wednesday, Mark Bell's show is coming out. Um, just every week, just looking forward to the guests you brought on, so I'm really appreciative of that. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I know, I know that feeling of when you develop kind of a connection with a podcast and a host and just kind of the group of people that help maybe kind of make that happen. And it's truly, it, I'm really appreciative of this medium in, in the way that it's able to kind of do that. It's very different, I think, than, you know, typical written blogging and uh, things like that. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that you were able to kind of get a similar experience because that was, that was definitely a goal of mine, I think, when I started. Mm -hmm. So I wanted first to get into your background. Can you tell our audience just a little bit about yourself, how you got started originally on all the social media and stuff? Yeah. So um, I am a remote fitness coach with Revival Strength, uh, which is founded by Marcus Philly. And um, I've been in kind of the fitness industry since, you know, right when I turned 18, I had always been super into, um, super into, um, my own fitness and exploring kind of my capacity. I definitely wasn't a strong kid growing up, did wrestling, but wasn't that great at it. And, uh, once I got in the gym, it definitely gave me a lot more confidence and I kind of just went down the rabbit hole from there. And I've done everything from like personal training to teaching spin classes to boot camps to, um, you know, coaching CrossFit for several years, then weightlifting. Um, and so naturally, I think one thing kind of just built upon another and it eventually got me to a point where I knew I wanted to be doing this type of coaching where I was designing programs, consulting with people and things of that nature. So it's very cool. Now, now um, currently I do get to, you know, work with people probably in like 15 plus countries and like third over 30 states. And it's so insane to me still, even though it's normal that we can connect online like this, that the fact that I am able to connect with people halfway around the world and kind of help them maneuver through really tough times. And uh, for me, you know, I guess an area of specialty that uh, I've developed over time or something I'm drawn to, I would say more is like helping people bridge the gap after they go through some type of an injury. Um, and when they're clear to kind of start training again, sometimes you can feel lost because you're mentally afraid to dive back into what you were doing. You don't know the progression on how to kind of get back there or surpass that level. So that has been definitely an area that I've noticed a lot of my clients are, they're coming from that space. Um, and then really for me, like with, so, like you said, social media and stuff, um, I like for me, creativity is above everything. So, you know, I love coaching and it's a priority for me, but like anything where I get to create something is like where I just truly kind of, that's what I live and breathe. And the podcast was just a really great way for me to do that when I first started. Um, and eventually that led me down a path of like, you know, um, basically like a, I, a lot of my time outside of coaching now, the majority of my time goes into stand-up comedy and performing. So that's kind of taken really the the forefront in terms of my creative pursuits. But in the past, you know, I've definitely, and I still am, am you know, podcasting, but you probably know it's like with Marcus Philly on Look Good, Move Well. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've, I've, you know, I spent time I remember there was a period where I went really hard on social media too, like three posts a day, taking a bunch of videos and delivering content that way. Um, and so, you know, it's just been a matter of like 
being able to prioritize and see where do you funnel that creativity and where do you want to do that. Um, so yeah, the way I got into it was basically just a really deep interest in the very beginning um, and exploring kind of my own body. I had my own back injury that set me back and definitely, definitely was a wake up call when it happened. Um, and I wanted that, that was a big motivator for me in terms of like, exploring mobility and quality of movement and then you know when functional bodybuilding came out and that whole philosophy of look good move well um that just was super in line with where i was looking to kind of take people mm -hmm. so i want to unpack all these things but first i guess we'll start from the beginning so the airborne mind show when did you originally decide to start that um how'd you get started just with everything so, you know, I had a really interesting, um, if I was to take it all the way back, really what happened was I was coaching CrossFit for several years. I had kind of capped out in my area, I think, of what I could accomplish. And I was, I was on the verge of basically opening up my own gym. And it was with, you know, a, a partner at the time. And we were we had an investor and all this type of stuff. We were looking at different locations and it was about to kind of happen. Um, and the process was difficult. There were a lot of obstacles coming up in the way, but like we finally got to a turning point where it was about to happen. And I had read a book called The Power of Broke by, um, I think it's Damon John, Damon John from uh, Shark Tank. Uh -huh. And that really, something in that really kind of made my brain click because I had read all these stories of people creating something from nothing. And I felt like I could, for me, I think I, even back then I knew that the end goal for me was to be doing something online and remotely. Um, and so doing the physical location of the gym and, you know, being locked into that for several years just to get to, uh, a place where I'm doing remote coaching or something was a really would have been a really long way to go about it, and maybe even not for the right reasons. So I'm really glad that that happened in that way because then what it forced me to do was start the AirborneMind.com, and it started off as just a blog. I did a lot of writing. Um, I I was doing like uh, guest articles and things like that on Huffington Post, Box Rocks, you know, all the different. Uh, fitness and and functional fitness magazines around at the time and I was enjoying that and then I decided like I was listening to a lot of podcasts obviously uh and and was a fan of them learning a lot from them like I said like you said developing a connection with like the hosts and just feeling really like wow this is I I want to do this I think I could be really good at this but uh you know, that, that, that inner resistance that always kicks in when you want to do something new where it's like, ah, but I'm not ready or a million other excuses that kind of pop up for you. And so I remember the time that I had the thought of like, oh, I, I think I should really consider starting a podcast and doing this. And then I remember mentally tabling it. It was one of those things where I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And from that moment, uh, I think within, within, Two weeks, I had started the the production of it and kind of putting things together, getting guests together, what I was going to call it, all of that stuff. And then within four weeks, I had released kind of the first three episodes and then kind of just dove right in there. So, um, you know, obviously, it like you you may have listened to the first couple episodes compared to maybe the latest ones or Look Good, Move Well now. 
it's very different and and I'm a different person for sure than I was back then but that's part of the cool thing even though I'm I feel a little cringy <laughs> going back and like listening to some of those just because you know hearing yourself is always like that but uh it's it's cool to see like oh there's kind of a documentary of this trajectory of like learning and things I was interested in and uh all the way up to like you know, most recently and things that are going on. So part of me wanted it to be like a documentary type of thing um, where my journey was evolving and I was exploring things I was interested in. Um, and I really just was super interested in people's mental frameworks and their processes. So how somebody truly kind of thinks between the ears um, was very fascinating to me. Um, struggles were very fascinating to me. And so getting a chance to do that and connecting with people that I was interested in and I was also learning a lot from along the way. Uh, it was just the perfect opportunity to, to do that. And over time, it's like it adds up, you know, you, you're 100 episodes in, 50 episodes in, and now you've got like a little bit of body of work that, you know, you created on your own. And so like I said, that creativity factor for me was very nourished because I was, I was, putting stuff out and um, I was truly kind of making something that felt like, okay, I, I really like uh, what I just, like that conversation, how it went. Um, and I'm excited to kind of put it out and have people hopefully listen to it. Mm -hmm. Would you say you were creative early on, like as a child, were you always doing stuff outside the box, thinking differently? Uh, yes. Yes. Yes and no. I think uh, I always had a deep, deep interest in creative pursuits. So like um, I was always, you know, into entertainment of all forms. So people who were very fluent in performing music or I could I could appreciate the creativity in every in anything and everything. I don't really discriminate when it comes to art forms and stuff. But like I appreciated uh, actors in Bollywood movies that I watched. I appreciated people who did the film scores and the music background of, of things that I watched. I really liked uh, wrestlers in WWE and the type of entertainment they were able to put on. Obviously a big fan of stand-up comedians and, and what they were able to do. Um, all the way down to just you know, general motivational speakers and things of that nature. So I always had an interest for that. I can think back and I remember like, right, trying to like write a book when I was super, super young um, mm -hmm. and like figuring out like, oh, how do you get this published? Who do you contact to like send your book into? Uh, and then some, like, I remember comic books for a little bit, drawing, poetry, did a little bit of that. Like I had experimented with a bunch of different things. Um, and, but in mentally it was always this thing for me, like, oh, I, I'm going to do something that also just, you know, makes me a lot of money, like get into <laughs> it or something, you know? And so that is actually what I kind of started out with was, um, I was doing kind of personal training and stuff on the side and was like studying, uh, information systems or whatever it was called at the time. Um, and so in a time where, and then throughout that process, obviously I realized like, no, th that's not me. <laughs> you know, the creative part, I'm like suppressing a little bit. And over the years, I've really come to embrace that more and more. Um, so yeah, I, it was always there. It was just there, there were definitely periods of time where maybe I was uh, pushing it away um, and, and not really acknowledging it like I maybe should have. Yeah. The reason I ask that is because when I like when I was growing up, I've always been 
super introverted. I've never um, wanted to put myself out there. I was always doing the Instagram highlight reel, never showing any failure. But this year was really when I did start to do a creative process. And I've been reading books like Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art. and Great book. Just, yeah. And that's one that I got um, turned on to you from your podcast. But um, just the, once I started getting creative, it's crazy how it's just everywhere. You, you Like mm-hmm. once you start to feed that creative side, it's like, you're sitting in traffic and you're listening to something and you have an idea, I got to write that down. So I, I'm just interested in other people's creative process too as well. So that's cool to hear. 100%, man. I, I think that two things you hit on there that are really important to note, I think, is um, introversion, right? So people don't believe this about me, but I'm also an introvert. Uh, if you were to kind of and I've actually, like, I actually had a coaching call with, uh, I don't know if you know who uh, Penelope Trunk is, but she is somebody who, you know, she has, I believe, Asperger's syndrome, and she's known for being very blunt, very honest, and people really go to her for that reason, and she can tell you what type, Myers-Briggs type you are just by hearing you talk for five minutes. She'll oh, pick, wow. like, and, and her test, she has her own test she's developed and all that. Um, that's a little more specific than the 16 personalities one that's out there. But I really am a proponent of like leaning into your, your type a little bit. And I want to clear up, I think the, the, cause sometimes people don't believe that about me because they're like, Oh, you podcast and you know, you seem really like outgoing or, you know, you do stand up, you're in front of a bunch of people. Like, all of that and and what people don't realize is even comedians like you have a the, you would be really surprised at how many comics I hang around who are introverted and pretty socially awkward off stage um, <laughs> and very different on stage you know like there are and a lot of big name like so many people are in that boat and then you've got people who are maybe a little more extroverted and were maybe in the class clown funny guy growing up type of thing but the mistake that I think uh, publicly a lot of people assume with introversion is like you people assume that you don't like uh being around people or or you like being alone and to an extent that's true but it's like introverts really actually get a lot of fulfillment and meaning out of being around and connecting with people it's just that the dosage that they can handle is much lower than what extroverts can so Mm -hmm introverts are energized by the alone time and the thinking and processing versus uh, extroverts are energized by connecting with people and 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 um, that process. So it's just, it's, it's interesting. Um, that's an area I can geek out about all day, but it's funny you pointed that out. And I, I always encourage people who are in that boat of like, they feel like they're introverts and hard for them to get through a certain hump of like creating or putting out something is like, do what you can to just get started because it's so fulfilling uh, for you in terms of what it will give you, I think, from a creation process because you get to think and depending on the art form, like you get to be alone and, and have that time. And mm-hmm. then you have times where you get to really feel that connection with people. So like this conversation we're having right now, um, being able to do that. And then um, the second thing that you were talking about was uh, the creative process and how you notice it everywhere now. I think that well, one mistake that a lot of us make, and how many times have you heard this, right? It's like, oh, I'm not creative. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not a creative person. Like, 
I, I just I don't believe in that. Um, I'm more of the mind that like creativity is a skill and it's a muscle, and it's just like going in and training in the gym, right? It's like um, if you put in reps and you train a certain pattern, you train a certain energy system, you do a certain exercise, you're going to develop some you're gonna you're gonna get stronger right you're going to develop a more of a capacity and so i look at creativity the same way and i don't ever limit it to just a specific art form it's like we're creating all day you know yeah. from the emails that you write to how you speak with people to uh you know making food like you literally are creating all day every day it's just kind of tied to use that muscle i think Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I've never heard it um, heard it brought up that way. And especially in our world, you kind of you go through all that. Um, Hi, how are you? And it's good. How are you? And you never a lot of people never get these stimulating conversations like this. So I think this this podcast for me has been um, a really powerful tool because I feel energized every single time I do an episode. It's like a one-on-one coaching session with somebody mm-hmm. else. So, so um, I wanted to just ask, like, what was your biggest misconception when you started the the Airborne Mind Show? Did you think it was going to be easy, or any just misconceptions in general you thought of? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess when I started, you know, I I think you always think that you're going to be farther along than you really sometimes like you're gonna it, it's gonna happen much faster maybe than than you think um but i think it's just safe to assume at this point and i've gotten used to it is that like things are just gonna take longer than you probably think so letting go of that kind of um that anxiousness that comes from like wanting to make something happen right so like wanting to uh have a certain amount of downloads per month or wanting to you know be in the top 150 or whatever the metrics are that like you really pay attention to as a podcaster or or in any in any art form it's like you there are things that you're going to want and uh, maybe even levels of skill so like the level of skill that i wish that i had uh and me wanting to get there it's like it was happening as I was going along, but I was missing it because I was always just feeling like, oh, there's more, there's more. I'm not, there's, uh, I'm not there yet. That feeling of uh, I'm not there yet. And I think it's a very fine line you have to balance between um, wanting something and that drive and ambition that feeds a lot of us, especially when you're training and you're, you're, you maybe come from a bit of a competitive background or you're, you're you know, hard charging business executive and, and, and you really like have a drive and ambition that sets you apart in some ways is the, the downside of that can be like that internally, sometimes you don't, um, you're never, you're always in high stress mode, right? It's not necessarily the healthiest. You're always in fight or flight mode and feeling like there's more and more and more. And I think that was something that, uh, definitely, got me into maybe a rabbit hole that I've learned from, which is like just maybe overworking or too much focus on making something happen and uh, thinking that it's going to happen faster when in fact like, and and that took me away from other things at the time that I was probably, you know, focused on like relationships and, and things of that nature. But like, 
I I think that if you can figure out a way to what people say, like enjoy the process, right? It's such a cliche term, but it's very hard. It's 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 cliche for a reason, and it's harder to actually implement than people think because this if you truly are enjoying the process and you kind of don't have like you're able to let go you're present and you're able to let go of the expectations of like oh i want this to grow or i want to get here i want to lose this much weight i want to put on this much muscle like you're never going you're never going to feel that anxiousness of actually wanting that as much Mm -hmm. as you think i know it's like a mental more of like a mental way of thinking but it's it really is like the second you start feeling that lack or that desire of like like i wish i was 50 pounds less right now you know or i wish i was in, at one like why is this going so slow you're you, you want to like that's not a fun place to be and i think in some weird way that also repels it from coming to you you know what i mean or hap- it happening as swiftly as it could versus when you just focus on the conversation and the things you can control and um enjoying it as much as you can putting it out and maybe even in your mind being like hey what I'm going to do this for the next 10 years. How do I feel about that? If nothing happened for 10 years, but I still do this, that's a good place to be because something's going to happen in that time, right? You're not going to be the same person as you were when you first started, but now the pressure is gone of trying to like, whatever, get, get something tangible maybe out of it. And you're truly focused on like pure creation. Um, So I would say that was the big misconception I think I had was like following like uh, rushing and feeling like I needed to get somewhere quickly and all just missing the progress that was was happening. Like I did definitely grow as maybe a conversationalist and podcaster as I went along, but I never felt that way, I think, because I was just constantly like uh, being too, maybe too critical, you know? So I think it's a fine line between that that ambition and that drive and being too critical and then also being able to like mentally let go of it to to i don't know give it give it some space to grow Mm -hmm. so and talk about that transition that you went through so since you started the show i know you had marcus philly on a bunch and then you ended up going out to his gym and coaching there so what was that um transition like for you Man, that was one of the scariest time periods of my life because I there was just so much uncertainty that happened. Uh, it, it was way out of my comfort zone to get up from like kind of an established, I guess, practice in a way that I had at the gym that I was working at, and um, you know, friends, girlfriend, like all, all, everything that comes with maybe getting up and uprooting and and moving away um it was just it was a difficult time for me because i i didn't know this is what happened with uh you may know like i i did an internship at invictus and invictus is um maybe your listeners know but like you know super big gym uh in in san diego they've got like three four locations at this point and on a global level they work with a lot of athletes and you see them in the games all the time and things like that and i had always admired their how they approach coaching to an extent their focus on mindset um and obviously san diego is not a bad place to be so i remember reaching out to cj and uh, I had had him on the show at that time and being like, hey, like, I'm willing to come 
work for you for free, basically. Like, do you have anything available? Um, willing to work, willing to work for you, learn from you, all of that. And I remember there was nothing available at the time. They were just like settling into a new rhythm. But he was like, we do have opportunities for some internships or something like I can connect you with our directors. And so I did, I interviewed with their directors and like got, you know, uh, got kind of passed in that way. And then I picked up and, and just left. And mentally I had the, I had like a suitcase, you know, when I, when I went there and, um, I didn't, it was truly a period of uncertainty because I didn't know what was going to happen. It was like, I was doing it and I had this really gut feeling that was like, I'm, I'm going to be working here by the time that this is done, this, this two, three month internship or whatever, or if it's not here, something's going to happen. I'm going to find something out here to like level up. And, uh, you know, I remember that, uh, I, I had in my cover letter to Invictus, like one of the things that I had that I, well, one of the things that came in handy, right, was that I had a podcast and I had articles I had written and I had all these value points that really showcased maybe my interest in what I was going out for and what I had kind of built already. Um, and so that went a long way. But I also remember specifically saying, like, the reason that I am willing to get up and 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 move and, and do this for free uh, is to to one um, explore my creativity. That was number one. I was like, there's something creatively that I need to explore. And it wasn't necessarily just in the gym. It was like, it was just, I knew something else was out there that I needed to be doing, whether it was continuing my podcast there and, uh, seeing where that would go. Um, or, or eventually it was improv. I did improv for a little bit and that's what led me into starting stand up. But like, that was one big thing. And the second big thing was just, um, reaching just a new level kind of in my career and doing something out of my comfort zone. And, uh, I value mentorship. So being able to be a part, like be a part of their community in that way. And so while I was there, I remember I was coming to the point where I had to decide what I was going to kind of do because, um, I was somebody who they were considering to have on board and hire at the end of that. Um, and they were looking for people and I was, kind of at the point where I was ready to do it, but was also like, well, I don't want to sacrifice. Like I have a very strong feeling about like airborne mind and what I'm doing with that. And then also creatively what I'm pursuing, whether that continues to be the podcast or not, like I'm just not willing to like, I'm going to be working whatever, 40, 50 hours a week as a full-time professional. And, um, I just, something just felt a little bit off there. And when I went to visit Marcus, same thing there. I was like, I'm going to hop on a plane and I went to go see him and I was like, I'm going to make some stuff for you and I'm going to put, get you on the podcast again. And I'm doing all this for free. I'm not getting paid to do any of this. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm just showing that I am serious and I'm interested. And <clears throat> I remember off air, we were just kind of having a conversation around like how his coaching business was growing at the time. And, uh, he was looking for coaches and I had also been like, Hey man, like, I was wondering if, you know, you'd be able to give me some kind of uh, advice. I'm dealing with like a, not an issue, but a, a big life decision, I think, of like whether I want to see if I can move forward with this thing at Invictus or like 
maybe pursuing something else and also with airborne mind where i kind of want that to go and literally the next day he hopped on the phone with me and he had the newborn at the time right he hopped on the phone with me super early in the morning and was like you know i just emptied for like 30 minutes just like gave him everything that was on my mind and he listened and and part of it i was honest i was like hey man like what you're doing when you mentioned that yesterday, that really got me thinking and it feels very in line with what I'm looking to do and the next level I'm trying to reach. And at the time I was uh, I was enrolled in CCP, OPEC CCP. And I remember even when I enrolled in that, I was like, yeah, like I know you guys do this for onsite coaching and the experience, but I'm looking to take this to like a remote. I wanna do this remotely. And um, I knew obviously Marcus was able to do that. And so, Basically, we got the conversation rolling around what that might look like um, if I was to, to relocate there and to work there and all of that stuff. And then um, once I kind of went back to San Diego to wrap up, uh, there was kind of a decision made like two weeks from that point. And I was like, all right, we're doing this. And believe it or not, literally, I had two and a half months from the time that I got there. So it was June 1st, I think I got there, right? Mm -hmm. And I had until like August 15th or something like that where I was like, okay, I need to make something happen in this time. <laughs> and if not, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but like this is my time of being myself. And the internship was done early and I had sealed the deal with Marcus and I had I'd started with Marcus remotely like August 1st or 2nd, but uh -huh. I packed up a rental car and drove up to NorCal uh, on August 12th and was there on that day. And so to me, that was a really like mentally a very satisfying thing because I think emotionally also, that was a very whirlwind of a time. From the moment I got there, I was going through a breakup and just being in a new place and feeling just like really low and not myself and being like, wow, like I have to remember 300 people's names and be really outgoing and like do all of this stuff and I don't know like just not feeling good about myself you know yeah. and um so to overcome that and and see that it paid off in some way was definitely satisfying and it gave me a little bit of confidence to like keep kind of listening to uh my intuition in some way mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah and I think a lot of people um relocating might they think it's the answer and for me I know as I've started to do this, I'm like, I think I need to be in California. I don't know why, but um, kind of how you went out there on your passion. I just had a friend move out there as well. But if you're not truly happy before you go out there, when when you change the scenery, it's not going to be much different if you don't personally change. So I'm sure you went through a tremendous time of growth during that as well. Oh, 100%. It's, it's forced growth, right? You have no option but to grow because of the the environment the situations that you're in um the yeah i mean i had been away from home before but it was just like i knew that it was a new chapter there was so much uncertainty and i was used to kind of having this like chess game mapped out in my head of like where things were going and mm -hmm. there was none of that it was pure just creation that was happening day by day and so i yeah i i agree with you on that it's like there, there is something to moving yourself into a different environment that shocks your system into truly growing and allows you to maybe like reinvent yourself in some ways. Um, but I, I don't think that's the only answer. I think like you can do that from 
potentially where you're at. It's just that, you know, um, I did have that feeling too. I was like, I know that if I, I just had this gut feeling that like, if I was at Invictus and I had all these people access to all these different people that I'd be around, like they, some, I couldn't tell you exactly what the feeling was, but it was just like, you know, I feel like we would hit it off. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And we did. Like Cal, you know, Calvin's son there, um, great guy, bright. Like all all the people that were there were awesome. And it got me a chance to showcase my podcasting and like my ability to do all, all of that stuff um, in a way that definitely wouldn't have happened if I never, never left maybe, you know? Um, so it, or it maybe it could have happened but it just forced me into that scenario so um there's definitely value to that and um i definitely enjoyed my time there but you know i'm sure you know i'm, I'm back here in uh in pennsylvania now in philly okay cool i'm not too far away from you actually i live in um Royersford. oh very cool okay yeah 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 so you are um yeah yeah i know exactly where that is i mean i grew up in eagleville like okay. my parents and family are from Eagleville. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty crazy. I didn't know you were right around the corner. Yeah, that's interesting. So I wanted to get into um, your remote coaching, the one-on-one design. I think it's interesting, the um, the really the look good, move well principles. So can you talk us through what those are and how you're working with clients one-on-one? Yeah, I mean, uh, look good, move well is, it's like, it's a really catchy tagline, but it's such a, it's really powerful. I mean, it's four words, and it's something that everybody, uh, not to make a sweeping generalization, but most people would appreciate, right? People Mm -hmm. like to look good, and people uh, at some point in their lives, I think, want to move well, because whether you have an interest in that in the beginning or not, when pain starts to happen, and breakdowns start to happen, and you know, you want to play with your kids or your grandkids or, you know, you hurt yourself and you, you can't get up out of the car without pain. Like you want to move a little better. And, you know, I think what we've realized is that it's the answer is not uh, high intensity and performance ath- athlete style training. Like what we what we had seen for years and years, it's like, yeah, that'll get you somewhere. Um, but it's also like, the look and move well philosophy to me at least embodies this idea that that 10 year thing I told you, like I want to be doing this, not just 10 years, but I want to be doing this till I'm 80 till, um, you know, if I live to 80, I want to be moving and it's going to change obviously throughout that time. But like the type of training that you see a lot of of high intensity and things like that being marketed, that isn't sustainable and that's not going to promote longevity and health. Um, it's going to, there is a point of no return where it starts to become, you're sacrificing your health and longevity for performance. And that's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's it's just a conscious decision. And so there's a certain style of training that helps to obviously promote that. And then of course, when you think about nourishment and, and nutrition and eating, it's like, it's also different. You know, eating for Longevity and health differs from how you would eat for performance or for weight loss and growth and things like that um, in a way that's going to help you digest well and and kind of 
keep things intact for the long term for when you're 60, 70, 80. Um, same thing with, with lifestyle. So that those are the three major components when we are working with clients one-on-one. It's like, you know, your, your movement, your training, your, uh, and then assessments obviously going into that, your nourishment, there's assessments going into that, and then your lifestyle. So that part I think is one the most important to me, I think, because it's like, what are you doing this for, you know, and everybody's reason is a little different. And I've come to, you know, realize like for me, I don't just train and eat well and stuff just because like, I love it that much. And I, you know, want to be in the gym for four hours a day or anything like that. Like I do it because it helps give me good energy. It gives me mental focus at this stage. It gives me the feeling of being able to put more energy into my standup. Um, so the style of, for me, it's like stand up and mental acuity and focus when I'm coaching and consulting, right? Mm-hmm. The, if I'm, if my training or my nourishment is off in some way where I'm going too hard in my training, there's a certain point where that's detracting from my main priority, which is stand up and, and coaching, right? Um, too, too hard, too much. You're going to start to maybe feel to to drain mentally or uh, whatever to get on stage that night or to um, have enough time to maybe um, whatever write programs consult you know write stand up all of those things so I you really get a chance to look into this person's life and see what is important to them and there's people where you know spending time with their kids and being healthy and a good role model for them that's the priority um, there there's everybody has a different reason. And a lot of times it's blanketed with a lot of the look good, move well things, which is like, yeah, I do want to look good and move well, but there's often layers of, of why behind that, which Mm. takes time to uncover and learn. And, um, that's kind of at least where my interest is, is like, how do I help you leverage for that? You know? Um, and, and the more people I think are asking those tough questions and getting into it, they are realizing like, oh yeah, these are how, like these are how the pieces would fit together to help me be this hard charging CEO. Like I work with the CEO, the CEO of like a really, you know, uh, big. I think pub, I think it's a public company, but he, you know, he's his time is very demanding. His uh, mental capacity is used very uh, like he loves it. He loves what he does and. Mm-hmm. He spends a lot of time and energy on that throughout the week, and that is his priority, right? Coming from a competitive background, like a higher level competitive background, and now making this transition into, I want to do something more sustainable, where my body, my mind, my relationship to my fitness and my nutrition and stuff isn't so performance-based. Um, mm-hmm. That's tough for some people. And now it's it's being able to have space for his, you know, his fiance and for uh, his his new role at his work and being able to give energy to that. And so there's a fine line in how you design to promote that stuff versus now it's detracting from that. So um, yeah, that, that, that's, I guess, how how the the idea of look good move was like be able to do things for a longer period of time be able to do it consistently um, in a way that's sustainable. And for me, my spin on it is like, be able to do it in a way that helps you with things outside of the gym, you know? So not just training for the sake of training, even though that's great and that's something that some people truly, that's their thing. Like they love it and they want to keep doing it. So it's like, great, how do we, 
promote that and, and really optimize that. But if we look at the general population, that's not where everybody is. You know what I mean? People don't love, like just love working out all day and, and spending five hours a day cooking their food and all sorts of things. Like they have lives and they want to not turn into sometimes not transform their lives completely to turn into this who we are as coaches sometimes right which mm -hmm. sometimes we can do that is like we're pushing this agenda on them to make them more like us instead of learning hey who are you and how do i fit what i know and what's going to be helpful into who you already are right mm -hmm. and we help leverage you versus making you transform your life completely um and so that's been really interesting for me for sure is like that that switch is is what i know and all that type of stuff is useless if i don't know why this person really wants it you know and so yeah that's kind of how we approach i guess the one-on-one -on -one styled coaching mm -hmm. i'm interested in all this stuff because right now i'm competing in weightlifting and it's two and a half hours a day, six times a week. And the way I'm eating is to be a better weightlifter. It's to be stronger. And I understand that there's, when I listen to Look Good, Move Well and some of your other podcasts, there's definitely a sacrifice that you're putting your body through, putting your digestion through by eating these foods, by training this way. So I think I like how that analogy that um, the 10 year, like what, what am I going to be doing in 10 years? Am I going to sustain this? And for me, it's right now I'm in a period where I'm probably not going to be doing this in 10 years. So I want to push it as hard as I can right now until that time comes. And then I think I'll definitely move into more of this style of training. Oh, hundred percent. And that's, that is 100% totally fine, right? I think you're smart that you have that mental, that idea mentally of like giving yourself that, acknowledging the fact that your body can't sustain maybe that level of effort and intensity and time and energy for 30, 50 years, and then being able to go backwards and be like, okay, what's my line? How much time am I giving myself to really see what I can make out of this? And now you're free to really prioritize it and be like, yep, all my energy goes into making this as best as I possibly can. Um, and so that that sometimes is is like helpful for sure is like having a having having a timeline in your mind of when when instead of just getting stuck in the rat race is like when do, am I giving myself uh, the this cutoff where I'm going to prioritize my health and my my longevity. Um, you know, when, when is that for me? And I think that answer is different for everybody, especially if you're a performance-driven, focused athlete. Um, like I said, there's nothing good or bad in going that route. I'm not trying to say that, like, health and longevity is the answer for everybody because you truly might find so much enjoyment and meaning, and not just you, I'm saying athletes, right? People who are Olympic-level athletes maybe, like, so much enjoyment and fulfillment from the training and from pushing your body and testing new limits and truly sacrificing your body for the sake of performance and and seeing what you're capable of mentally and physically that whatever that comes out to like the damage that comes out of that in terms of longevity is is well worth it you know what i mean and who am i to say that it's not i i, I can't say that i can only relate with like how I feel about it personally. But if that person is my client, I'm not letting my bias get in there 
the way of of that and what they need and want. So if their priority is performance and that's what they are trying to optimize and do, then there are things that happen in consults and conversations where you know, you're pushing through times where you're not feeling that great and you're going to feel tired. You're going to feel like you're not eating enough. Like you got to spend time eating and sleeping and you got to sacrifice things that maybe other people don't want to or have to like going out and drinking or whatever in order to sleep and recover and, uh, rinse and repeat. Right. So it's, it's just your job as a coach at that point is to make your client more conscious of those things. Um, uh, and, and, obviously yeah like try to remove your own bias out of it uh and really see what's important to them and and lay out the best possible scenario for them what's that conversation like when you say you have someone who came from they're doing crossfit maybe five times a week they have a high stress job and you're like okay we we might need to only train two times a week that might be our capacity is it hard to get buy-in for from people or are people coming to you pretty receptive of that i think by the time that people come to us for the most part they're a little more receptive because they've probably tried a couple things already on their own um may or may not have worked a little bit and now they're a little more serious and they're ready to invest time energy money into into making that transition right and making that happen um so but that's not to say that everybody is easy to be like oh yeah we're gonna go from this five days a week to two days a week and not even to say that that's something that has to happen right so my job would be if this person is really attached to like they i have a client who loves being in the gym like he does he doesn't compete or anything but he loves and prioritizes putting in the time for physical development day in day out as much time as needed spends the time on recovery on nutrition all of that seven days a week this guy wants to be in the gym seven days a week right and came into it explicitly kind of wanting that now for some people i'll be like look that that i know that's something you might have been used to and that you really enjoy but here's what we can expect if we continue on this route here are some things that you might come across and see and i'm open to letting you experiment with this if you want for a little bit but i this is my per professional opinion on what i think we should do and laying out what that is and then with a scenario like him it's like why should i try to get him to do that when he is putting in the time energy recovery as if he is an athlete um but being like hey here's how i think we can lay out your seven days two of your days are active recovery days. You're not doing X, Y, and Z to put damage on your joints. They're much lighter. Uh, then you have five good working days where you get to push and have fun. Um, there are times where you have to rehab people out of the mindset of like that intensity being everything, right? And then lying on the floor at the end of the workout, like they just did Fran, staring up the ceiling, like in a puddle of their own sweat, like <laughs> that lactic bath feeling that people really enjoy from that background. Um, because depending on what their goals are, like if the goal is to make some body composition changes, it's like that Fran feeling, that lactic feeling is not always helping you get to body composition changes. Like you might have 
you know, thought in the past. It's like there are other ways where you have to back off the pedal and you have to almost leave sessions feeling like, oh, you got, I got plenty more in the tank. That's the place you want to be. And people sometimes aren't used to that feeling. So it definitely takes some reassurance, some, some coaching upfront before you throw them into that, uh, like outlining why and educating them on it. And then coming back to it from time to time and explaining, hey, this this is what's important to you and this is why we're doing it um, and making them feel at ease when, when they are going through that. So um, I think that's kind of the art of coaching, right? It's, it's not black or white. It's like it's based on that specific person and how you navigate their specific situation with what they want and plus what you know that they need to get to where they want to go. Exactly. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit. You mentioned stand-up a few times. So what is that process like? What is what got you into stand-up comedy? I um I had, I had always been into it ever since I was younger in terms of like watching people obviously. Um Russell Peters was kind of my guy. He was an Indian dude on stage that you know, was super confident, looked cool, was making people laugh. That that level of control that you have of a room um, and being able to, like, elicit that at a young age when I saw that was fascinating to me. And I never thought I could do it. Uh, there were periods where I did it. I was like, uh, yeah, that I would love to do that, but I don't think I can do it. And so in my mind, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the easy <laughs> easy route and, like, be like some type of a speaker because I knew I, I could I was developing the skill of talking and having conversations and whatever like the the that idea of communication and language um, I definitely had an affinity towards that and so I was like you know what I'm gonna become some type of a speaker maybe it'll be fitness and health maybe it'll be something else and I'll do it in those settings and then maybe I'll punch up and you know, add, add a little flair to it. Uh, if I'm doing some type of a keynote at some point, like make it funny, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the easy route. That's like anybody can do that because nobody's expecting to laugh in those scenarios, right? That's a different ball game than when you're standing in front of people and the whole idea is you are there to make them laugh. Uh, that's a completely different animal than just delivering a speech and cracking jokes in between and, and lightening the mood because um, it's just out of context, right? So then I think one uh, when for a year or two before I actually started, I was like really just jotting down ideas and kind of I had the way I had studied podcasters and things like that. Uh, I and coaches, I was studying comedians and their processes and uh, what, like all all of that to a point where I was jotting down ideas and writing material and stuff like that. None of which I really probably truly tried when I first started, but it was just I was starting. Mm -hmm. And then that that thing I told you where when I moved to San Diego, that on my cover letter, how I had that like. Creativity was something I prioritized, and I was there to explore it. That got CJ's attention a little bit, right? He was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, I've never, I don't know. It's just, it's weird, right? It's like, you just don't expect that maybe from a fitness coach who's trying to intern at your gym. And that truly was, uh, that's when I started doing improv there. And I always had this dual purpose connection in my mind that was like, okay, well, I'm doing this because I want to do stand-up someday. And someday I was like, ah, it's going to happen 
someday, right? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, but this is a way for me to start and just get a feel for what what's what is it like? I, I don't know. I've never I have no idea what to do. So let me start with this. And at the same time, I'm like, oh, this will help me with coaching. And you're around much much larger groups when you're at Invictus because it's such a touristy area and there's so many members and all of that. So I was like, this will help me in this way. And I remember telling CJ that I was doing improv partly for one of those reasons. And I could see that he was impressed in some way where he was like, oh, that's thinking outside of the box. That's like, mm-hmm. I, and he shared his experience of when he was uh, in, in law school, how they did that to get better at skills in law. And so when I took that improv class, I realized I was always just drawn to asking the instructor and whatnot questions around how does this exactly translate to stand up, right? Like, how do I use this to help write? How do I use this for getting on stage in a stand up setting? And it was, it was, it was, you know, it was a national comedy theater uh, for improv. Great, great place, but like, they didn't. He didn't really have the answer, you know. It, I, I realized improv was different than what stand-up is obviously um there's a, some crossover for sure and, and and it's helpful but then i was like okay well you know i still like this i'm gonna keep exploring it and like i said that someday of me starting it'll help when i do um then when i got to san francisco that's when i basically i i took a class um that was there on specifically stand-up and once i started that it was just kind of game over it was like okay how do i do more of this how do i and then like i said with that coaching call with penelope and uh things like that that made me really kind of turn it into like how do i set up my life around this creative pursuit so get getting on stage as much as possible at nighttime right and usually really late at night um getting um spending time writing trying to write more than other comedians that are out there because believe it or not there's a lot of comics who don't write and they just get on stage and um there's so being able to play it kind of like a game and to be as good as i possibly can at it and that's partly i think you know why i even moved back to philly in the first place was because in a lot of different ways those chess pieces helped me allocate more time and energy towards this creative pursuit that uh, i wanted so that's how I, I kind of always knew I wanted to do it, but was too scared to do it. And uh, then once you start, it's just, you know, you, you like, yeah, it, it takes, everybody sucks when they start. You have to get through the bad reps. And I think it's a, it's a metaphor for um, anything that you try in life, even podcasting, coaching, whatever. Um, CTP from Barbell shrug back in the day said this in an interview with me he was like you got to get through the bad reps right so you have to know that whatever you're going to do you're going to suck at and so get through the suck as early as possible and so if you go in with that and you have low expectations and you're like i'm just getting reps in to get that out of the way you're setting yourself up pretty good because like you're actually starting and you're doing something and that's really what it was for me was i just needed a little push to get started and then you know it was off to the races after that so what's going through your mind the first time you actually stand up on stage the first time oh man the first time uh you have an idea of all the stuff you want to 
say and maybe stuff you've written or thought about that you want to talk about. You, you imagine it going one way in your head, and the second that you get up there, um, you know, your heart's racing. You you forget everything that you said you were going to talk about. Um, you start rambling, <laughs> right? <laughs> you you don't leave any room for silence <laughs> or reaction. You're you're just it's just a lot. It's miserable. It's it's a uh, it definitely is a it's a shitty feeling because you are like it you're so you're so wound up and built up and i know a lot like very few people the first time they get on stage are amazing they have that similar experience of like that that shock of like oh oh my god they're expecting me to make them laugh and oh why is this not coming out the same way as when i rehearsed in my room or whatever Mm -hmm. uh and overcoming that is fun i think over over every time you do it and over months and years where you do learn how to get control of yourself and then also gain control of like the energy uh, of a room. So it's nerve wracking for sure, but it also leaves you with this experience of like, I want to do that again. You know, yeah. there is a rush that comes with it for sure. So what's, um, what's like the biggest uh, stand up that you've done? Have you been in like a large room, large audience, anything like that? Let's see. I guess um, so. I've done uh, helium in in you know here in Philly, which, geez, they seat like what two to three hundred people, something like that maybe. Um, but you know, let's say even it. I mean, it was actually pretty full that night. But like, let's say it was even on the lesser side, it was probably between a hundred to two hundred people that night. Um, and then I think I've done a similar size, maybe like 80 to 100 when I was uh, at a spot. Uh, it's called a uh, Kells Irish pub in San Francisco. It's like a basement, dingy little basement, little stage and packed up that room. And it was, um, it was great, man. The, the feeling was so exhilarating, especially at Helium, because it's like the laughs that hit you, like they truly hit you back, especially like if a room is set up for comedy, like mm-hmm. the walls and the acoustics and all of that is set up perfectly for it. You will f- like, you will feel it come back at you. And it's just, uh, I can't forget that feeling of when you hit something and it gets everybody and that many people, it's just, like I said, it hits you like a wave. It's like, yeah. I don't know. It's one of the best feelings ever. Yeah, that's amazing to hear you talk about. I I have so much respect for you for doing that. Uh, It just seems like such a nerve-wracking thing. Even me doing the podcast is like, I I still get nervous before it, and I'm in the attic. There's no no one around. Not a lot of people might even listen to it, and it's like, I get nervous, so I can't imagine stepping up in front of 100, 200 people. What's up? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying it's like what you're doing and what you're saying is in a lot of ways it's so similar to like what I'm doing or or what an athlete might be doing when they, you know, uh, step on the weightlifting platform or, you know, what what a what a mom does when she preps her food and and is making that thing happen. It's like it's all relative, right, uh, to what is difficult for you and and what you have resistance around and I think it's like that Stephen Pressfield book you you mentioned. It's it's all about how how are you setting yourself up to 
overcome the resistance, right? And that's the muscle because the resistance never goes away. Like you still have, I still get nervous before, like I'm getting on stage tonight and I'm, I know I'm going to be nervous, you know, but it's like, how do you gain control of that and overcome it and uh, access that part of yourself that you, you know, is there and you want to access really badly, you know, and that's, I think the fun of, I think any creative pursuit um, is that you're able to do that. You build that muscle and over time you'll notice that like for you, it's going to get easier with the podcasting thing. It got easier with stand up. Um, I don't know if it ever goes away. Right. But, but it is something that like you do, you do get enough reps in where that muscle is there that you can, that switch can turn on a lot quicker and, and you can overcome that resistance hopefully a little bit, uh, um i don't know a little you know that you 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 acknowledge the patterns of that right it's like oh, okay I, this is what i'm feeling like i'm feeling resistance it's not like that my you know i'm about to pass out or i'm gonna have a panic attack or something like that it's like no no this is resistance because i'm doing something that's uncomfortable or different so um yeah it's 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 cool that you're doing that and i i i applaud anybody who does decides to kind of do anything that is even remotely creative, even like I said, that example of stepping on a weightlifting platform, you know, deciding to kind of take control of your food and your fitness, if that's been a big thing for you, because it's all relative. And if you decide to take that step, you're, you are going to meet resistance every single day and figure out kind of how to uh, build the muscle to overcome it. For sure. And he talks about um, that, like the turning pro concept too, that when you when you do become a professional that you're probably more scared than you would be if you're an amateur and don't really care about what you're doing so i think when you when you are really a hundred percent in that you're gonna do stand-up comedy or i'm gonna do a podcast or whatever creative pursuit that you're gonna probably feel that more when you're deeply just caring about what you're doing oh dude i know it's uh, it's crazy because like some of the best sets I've had are when I'm feeling really miserable and I don't want to get on stage and I'm just like, oh my god, I'm I'm gonna bomb. This is not gonna go well. Um, and you're just like, yes, the ma most magical things sometimes happen in those moments. Um, like that happened once when I, I help run a room in New Jersey uh, every Wednesday night and there uh you know i have to host sometimes and so not only like was i just not feeling doing my set that night and i was there but it was like i got i got volunteered to like host the first half and you know you got to control the energy of the room and snap into it and all that type of stuff and i it was one of the best best hosting parts of it like every little thing that i i did like hit how i wanted it to and it was just clicking um, in a way that I could never have predicted. So it was just the showing up, right? It was like the showing up was the hard part. And once I did that, it's like you just kind of ride the wave um, just like you would maybe with the gym, right? It's like getting yourself to show up to the gym can be hard when it's cold and early and whatever. But when you do it, nine times out of ten, you feel a little bit better afterwards. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Where can people find you? Uh, okay, so... Oh, let's see. I am not super big on on uh, social as much as I used to be. So, but feel free to DM me. I mean, I I will 
definitely try to get back to people who who hit me up there. Um, so Misba M I S B A H dot Hawk H A W K on Instagram, um, and then I would say honestly. Email, I know this is old school, but like email Mizba, M-I-S-B-A-H, at revival-strength.com. Uh, I definitely am there, obviously, more often, um, and I'm likely to see what's kind of going on there. So, you know, hit me up there if you ever have any questions or you want to, yeah, you want to chat about anything specific. I'm always happy to, to help where I can. Um, and then really just some of the content that we have out, I would say, for you know, uh, look good, move well at this point. I mean, the Airborne Mind Show, I haven't been, I, th- I think I mentioned it's like a priority thing. It's There's only so many hours in the day. And how, you know, for me, it was putting energy into stand-up. So the Airborne Mind Show took a backseat in that way. And so did social media stuff. But um, there's 100 episodes or so that, you know, if you want to go and explore it from the very beginning, um, it's cool that people still actually find it and enjoy it. So that's out there. Uh, wherever you find your podcasts and then look good, move well with Marcus Philly is definitely where, you know, we were in our seventh season now and, uh, that's been a really cool journey in and of itself. And so, uh, I think people, especially if they're listening and they're very fitness, uh, nourishment lifestyle oriented, um, and they were intrigued by the whole look good, move well thing, um, head over and, and look that up wherever you find your podcasts and, uh, yeah, that's basically it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate uh, you putting out all that content before. Uh, like, it's it's always going to be there for people. So I think your uh, your content is really going to live on for a long time. So thank you for doing that. Thank you, man. I uh, I appreciated the conversation, and uh, yeah, I always appreciate good questions, and it helps me uh, think and formulate some things that I may not have thought about or maybe in a different or new way. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Again, thanks so much to Mizba for coming on the show. I hope you guys took away as much as I did from that conversation that we had. I will leave a link to everything he mentioned in the show notes. You can literally listen to hundreds of hours of content that he has put out there. So a few quick asks before you guys go. Make sure to give the Uh, podcast a five-star rating on iTunes if you're liking what I'm doing. Subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to it. That way your phone will download it. And as soon as you open your podcast app, it'll go to the top to let you know there's been a new episode released. And then if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I made an Instagram for the podcast. It's at better than yesterday pod. I will also link that in the description. So make sure to follow that. I'll be doing more shorter form content from previous episodes and just really showcasing some of the great conversations that I got to have with different people on the show. So I hope you guys just have a fantastic week. Thanks for staying with me for over an hour there. I know this was a long one, but I promise you that it was worthwhile for me and I know it's been worthwhile for you. So just have a fantastic week and I will see you guys on the next one.